So I, I know I say this every week, but I am so excited about the word that God has for you guys today. I know that this word is from the Lord, and I just get to be the one to kind of deliver the message. But I just want to ask you, open your hearts up to hear this from him, because, you know, I, a couple weeks ago, I went away, as I had mentioned before, for our anniversary, um, and, uh, and I was just crying out to the Lord. And that scripture came to my heart that says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And I thought, if you're, if you're a guest here, my husband passed away 10 months ago. He, he was, he and I were um, co-pastors of the church at the time. And um, I had just kind of taken over the leadership. It's, it's a really God story, but I just wanted to say that because I want to give you a little context, but um, as I was crying out to the Lord, you know, I was like, Eric got to gain. He, he got to go be with the Lord, but for me to live is Christ. And I don't have a plan B. I don't have another option. And, and the two things that will last throughout eternity, who knows what the two things are that will last throughout eternity? God's word and God's people. God's word and God's people. So my job is to pour God's word into God's people. Wouldn't you much rather do things that you know are eternal than things that are going to burn up? You know, the hay, stubble, and rock that are worthless, that are temporary, things that rust, moths, moths, aren't moths gross? Moths destroy these things, rust, thieves break in and steal. Instead, let's all commit. And this morning, especially as you hear this word, you know, we talked last week about the promise of joy. That there, there are so many promises throughout the Bible that we can experience joy despite sorrow, despite suffering, despite stress, that it is still possible to have joy in the midst of that. But today we're going to kind of talk more about the practical application and how to walk in that joy. What is the pathway to joy? And so... Um, you know, if it says in the Bible that the joy of the Lord is our strength, which it says in Nehemiah chapter 8, I want some of that. You know, it says that in our weakness, his power is perfected. And that comes through having fellowship with him. It also says in his presence is fullness of joy. Being in his presence. And I know that when people see me walking down the street or driving or, you know, if there were little hidden cameras in my house, they probably think I was crazy because I am always having conversations with the Lord. I'm always talking to the Lord. You know, the Bible says to pray without ceasing. Yes, there is a spiritual benefit to getting on your knees and humbling yourself. There's a spiritual benefit to prostrating yourself before the Lord, just getting on your face before God. You know, there's a certain humility that can come with that, recognizing his greatness and his power. But you can just have conversations with him, just as you're driving down the road, you know? Like Brenda was saying, you know, in the middle of that stuff, take advantage of those times, because in his presence is fullness of joy. Can I get a shout? (laughs) Woo, yeah. You know, it says in Hebrews eleven six, whoever comes to God must believe, first of all, that he exists. And second of all, and catch this, he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. <gasps> I want to diligently seek him. I want a reward. Don't y'all? Come on, you guys all want a reward. And don't you want a reward from the father of the heavenly lights from whom every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven? Isn't that so much better than anything you could get under your Christmas tree? Yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, Last week, we talked about uh, Luke 
chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, where it says, In that same country there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. How many of you are afraid today? How many of you are facing a situation that's causing you fear? You know, whether it's a fear of health issues or financial issues or relationships or the fear of the future. Here's what the angel said to them. Don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you, what does it say? Of, say that again. Are the coffee machines not working today? (laughs) Come on, you guys, say it again. Good tidings of which will be for how many people? All. All people. Yeah, I love that. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What this means is he can save us from sin and death. He can save us from ourselves. He can save us from the darkness. And the thing is, the cross is meaningless if you don't have the, the humility and the birth of Christ in the way that it happened. Because he had to come down to earth. He had to humble himself. And he was as helpless as a human being can, be, can possibly be. He humbled himself to that degree. He was a little, tiny, innocent baby. And that is the beginning of the story of how he came to save the world. You know, all through the Old Testament, they're talking about the coming of the Messiah. But here these angels are out there saying, you guys, check this out. There's a Savior born. Messiah has come. And it says, in the Bible, it says that he is Emmanuel, which means? Emmanuel, which means? God with us. Number one, there can be no joy apart from the salvation of the Lord. There can be happiness, temporary fleeting happiness that the things of the world can offer, external things. But the true joy, remember the definition of joy has its roots in the same word as grace. That the grace of God can lead to true joy. That true joy that only comes through the Lord. Despite the fact that we might be suffering, despite the fact that we may have sorrow in our lives, or despite the fact that we may be in very stressful situations, there's still the promise and there's still the pathway to get there. The first thing, joy comes through salvation, through our salvation in Jesus. And it says in Habakkuk 3, even though the fig trees have no blossoms, there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. It says in Acts 4, it says that there is no other name on heaven or earth by which we can be saved than the name of Jesus. There's no other name. We cannot save ourselves. How many of you have tried? We try to save ourselves. We try to deliver ourselves. We, we think that we have some solutions. And I'm telling you, the pathway up is the pathway down that that humility and that dying to ourselves and our own agenda, that even when we look at our circumstances and they look really bleak or they're really sad or they're really stressful, we can still know God is sovereign. He is still seated on the throne in righteousness and majesty and that he hasn't forgotten us. You know, I was just talking with Rob Lindley this morning right before service. And for those of you who don't know uh, Rob, his... His 17-year-old son was skateboarding one day and actually five years ago, five years ago and was hit by a car and he ended up, um, nine months later, he passed away. And Rob and I were just talking about that, how, you know, when you lose someone or you go through a situation, you go back in your mind and you, 
Like you rework it and you think, well, what, what if this? What if I would have done that? Or what if, what if we would have done this? Then what? How, you know? And the thing is, the Bible says it is appointed once for a man to die and after that comes a judgment. It says he has numbered our days. And it says that no matter what we go through, even if things look horrible, even if your bank account is in the negative and you feel like your relationships are falling apart, put your hope in him. He is still seated on the throne in righteousness. And like we talked about last week, he wants to use those trials and those hardships to develop our character and also to test our faith, which it says in First Peter is, is greater than gold. It's better than gold. It's like we go through these fires. I love that song when we're singing that. You know what? Even if I go through the fire, it's his name. That's where we have the victory. Amen? It's good stuff, huh? I love the Bible. Um, Psalm 1611, it says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore, forevermore. Can you just tuck this away in your heart? So next time when you're in a stressful situation, when you're on that freeway and it's like a parking lot for days, can you just remember this passage? In his presence is fullness of joy. Fullness, that means the complete package. Can you just remember that? I know this season can be just so stressful for people and so emotional. But can you invite him in to that? It takes so little to just open your heart and just say, Lord, come into this situation right now. Lord, let your presence come into my heart right now. Can you practice that? Can you just say, Lord, let your presence come into my situation? I didn't say it very well. Let me try that again. (laughs) Say that like this, and then I stutter. Lord, let your presence come into my situation. Can you just close your eyes and say that to him? Because he knows everything. I love in... uh, I think it's Psalm 145 or 45. But it says that he, I I, I like it in the King James. It says, um, the eyes of all wait upon thee and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thy hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. This is a great God we are talking about. He is not a God who is going to just forget about you and go off and do whatever things God does. He is intimately acquainted with all of your ways. It says he knows how many hairs you even have on your head or how many you don't have on your head. <laughs> For some of you. I love my, my pastor, Pastor Jack. He's very bald and he likes to say, I don't consider myself bald. I just consider other men excessively hairy. <laughs> so... But you know, that's the God that we serve is the God who knows everything. It says in Psalm 139, he knows, oh, before we even speak a word, he knows it. He knows our thoughts from afar. He knows every single thing that we're going to do. And he is the one who is saying that if we come to him, he will reward us. If we diligently seek him, he will reward us. And I need to say this right now because I I sense that there are those of you who are saying, you know, I have been asking for a long time. I have been waiting for a very long time. And I'm not seeing what I'm asking. You're not seeing that promise. I just encourage you, brothers and sisters, Persevere. Persevere and believe God, and it will be counted unto you as righteousness. Adelphi, can I share the story? She can't say no, I have the mic. (laughs) Is it okay? Okay. If I can. I've shared this story with many of you. I like to walk, 
and pray at the same time because I'm kind of ADD. And so I, I was walking one day and the Lord just said to me, are you willing to let your children suffer? And there's not a right answer really for that question. And, um, and I said, yes, Lord, if it's for your kingdom and for your glory, I am willing to let my children suffer. And I knew at that moment, the Lord spoke to my heart and said that Caleb and Adelphi were going to have difficulty conceiving a child. And the doctors had told her, am I going into too much detail? You can just go like this right now if you want. But they were told for six years that they probably were never going to ever have children. Adelphi, could you stand up, please? know we would never want to wish that on anyone and for those of you who may struggle in that same area I just want to say don't lose heart you know God may not answer your prayer the way that he answered ours but don't lose heart you know the Bible says if we take delight in him he will give us the desires of our heart take delight in him and that can only happen through a relationship with him The only way we can have a relationship with him is if we are born again of the spirit. It says in John 3, you must be born again to inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's why we're called the born again, or whatever we call the BAC, born again Christians. Because that's the only way we can have this. That's the only way we can experience this. That is the only way we can go through trials and hardships and pain and suffering and sorrow and have hope. That's the only way we can get through it. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 19.8 says, The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Psalm 32 says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Remember last week I told you there's that scripture in Job 20 where it says that the the joy of the hypocrite is temporary? Don't be a hypocrite, okay? You know, everybody says, oh, the church is full of hypocrites. Yeah, that's true. But you know what? So is Walmart. (laughs) Do you you not go to Walmart because there's a bunch of hypocrites there? Or for some of you, Nordstrom? (laughs) I mean, yeah, there's a bunch of hypocrites in this church. But there's a bunch of hypocrites everywhere. But the thing is, this is what we need to recognize. We have the opportunity to be reconciled with our maker. And the one who calls us is faithful and he will do it. He is the one who will clean up our hypocrisy. Because I don't believe anybody determines in their heart, you know what, I want to be a hypocrite. I, I think the, the fact that you're here is a sign that you want to know God. That you want to serve him. You want to you understand more about him. Right? Am I right? You don't just, you're not just here to check it. I hope you're not just here to check this off a to-do list. I know there is hope. In him, there is hope. And it says there's such joy when our disobedience is forgiven. I was sharing my story with some friends of mine yesterday. And, you know, just, man, when I, when I go back and just remember who I was, like, it's almost like I'm talking about a movie that I went and saw. I'm, I mean, I just, I can't even believe who that person was. And not that I don't, I'm not saying, and, and now I've got it all together. And that's why I'm up here and you're not. <laughs> okay, that's not what I'm saying. Please do not hear that. I mean, I'm still working through things myself. But the person that I was 
and the person that I am now is all because of Jesus Christ. It is all because of Jesus Christ. And I can't take any credit for it. I don't want to take credit for it. It says he will share his glory with no other. So, but aren't you so grateful for the cross? Aren't you so grateful that your sins can be forgiven? And let me just say this, you know, don't, you know, it tells us that we need to examine ourselves and see if we really are in the faith, as they say, or if we are saved, or if we do know him, if we have a relationship with him, you should examine yourself on a regular basis and make sure that you are still recognizing his voice, that when you open up the Bible, that it speaks to you. Because if, if it's just a matter of you having, you know, gone forward one time at church and, you know, praying the sinner's prayer or whatever, that, that doesn't mean Jesus is your Lord. I'm talking about the little details. I'm talking about when you're stuck on the freeway. It says, let your attitude be that the same as that of Christ Jesus, who did not, even though he was equal to God, he is God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but rather, what did he do? He humbled himself. He humbled himself. That's the God that we serve. Isaiah 12, 3, it says, With joy you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. The Bible says if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, which again, righteousness just means doing things the right way, not in some kind of a legalistic way, but the right way at, um, as in God's way, the way God tells us. And he gives us clear instructions in the Bible, right? He gives us very clear instructions. And if we hunger and thirst for that righteousness, if we hunger and thirst to do things the way that will be life-giving, it says we will be what? Filled. Filled. You know those mornings where you wake up and you're just feeling kind of empty? You know where you're going through a situation and you just kind of feel blah? That's when you invite him. Say, I want to drink deeply of the fountain of joy, the joy of my salvation. Another way that we can experience joy is, believe it or not, through sacrifice. I really want to camp on this particular point today because this, I really believe this is a profound word from the Lord for us. And I'm going to give you a little context and then I'm going to come back and pull out a verse from this John 15, seven says, and this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in what? Abide in my love. It says, oh, I didn't have it up there. I'm so sorry. Oh, that was a quiz. That was a pop quiz. <laughs> okay, moving on. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things... I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that he lay that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Now going back to verse 10 um, where it says if you keep my commandments, um, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Now, some translations say, if you obey my commandments, you will abide in my love as I have obeyed my father's commandments. But as we are well aware, the, 
the, you know, the Old Testament is written primarily in Hebrew and the New Testament is written primarily in Greek. Those two languages are so much more complex than English. So we don't always have like this perfect translation, but the, the word keep here in verse 10 is tarao and it means not obey. It means to attend to carefully, to focus on, to take care of, to guard, to keep one in a state of well-being, to observe, to reserve, to undergo. That's what it means to keep the commandments. Now let's, let's imagine for a moment that, um, let's say you have trying to think of a really good example. Um, let's say that you, you find out that you have a disease that's terminal and the doctor tells you there's a miracle drug. If you take this drug, you will be healed and you will have no side effects from it. Hands you the prescription and you walk away. What would you do with that little piece of paper? Would you just kind of like set it, ah, where'd that thing go? What would you do with that? You would cash in on it, wouldn't you? But you would, you would guard that thing from the time the doctor hands you that prescription to the time you get to that pharmacy. You would be so focused on that. And that's the word this is talking about. Let me use another example. Let's say, for example, someone said, um, here, if you take this check-in, you can have $50,000. What would you do with that check? Would you just kind of throw it in your trunk and go, I'll get to it later? What would you do? And what would you do all the way to the bank? (laughs) I'm not going to lose this. Right? That's the word keep. To, To guard it. To have your focus on it. That's the same word. And yet, it says in the Proverbs that we can have all the wisdom that God wants to give us. We can have the knowledge of, of the Almighty God. And yet, take your Bible and brush the dust. We treat it so lightly. Like, eh, it's not that big a deal. It says that in his word are treasures evermore. We can find the pleasures of God in the Bible. And this is where the whole sacrifice thing comes into play. Because the thing is, it is a sacrifice to have to wake up a little earlier to read the word. It's a sacrifice to turn off the country station and to turn on the Christian radio station or, you know, whatever. It's a sacrifice sometimes to teach a Bible study or to go to a Bible study. And again, I I know I say this to you a lot, but all of the forces of hell are going to try to keep you from reading the Bible. I was just talking to a young lady the other night, and she said, I don't understand how it is. I can open up the Bible and get so much out of it. And when I read it, I think, oh, this is so good. I should do this all the time. And then she goes, and then I'll go for three or four days and not do it. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because we are wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and the rulers of the darkness that don't want you opening your Bible. They do not want you to open up the word. They want to keep you in bondage. They want to keep you believing those lies. Because it's saying that as we open up his commandments, and it's not like these commandments, like like this angry God. God gets such a bad rap. He gets such a bad reputation. He's so loving and so accepting and so approving and so confirming and so affirming, isn't he? And when you open the Bible, that's what, not that every time you open the Bible, you're going to be like, oh, I'm doing so well, because his word is living and active and the Holy Spirit will bring conviction to you. It says that it's like a mirror. The Bible is like a mirror and it shows you who you really are at times. But again, remember the difference between condemnation, which makes you just feel horrible, and conviction, which makes you feel like you stand a chance, is that with 
Condemnation, there is a sense of hopelessness and, and just desperation. Like, there's no hope for me. But with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which is one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said that he would leave with us, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit convict us of sin. And again, the coolest thing about when you're convicted of sin is that it says that if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to not only to forgive you, but to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Those same forces of hell that want to keep you from reading the Bible are also going to lie to you and say that if you confess your sin, number one, people are going to reject you. People are going to judge you. People are going to hate you. People aren't going to respect you. But Jesus is the light, which is why we need to confess our sins one to another. We need to get it out in the light. And I know I'm striking something here in the spirit world right now. I just want to tell you, if you have something hidden in the dark, Satan is a prince of darkness. Just get it in the light. Just confess it to somebody. I mean... You know, the Bible also says that discretion will protect you. So you need to be discreet. You can't just confess it to just anybody. Confess it to somebody who's going to lead you closer to Christ. Don't just confess it to somebody who's just going to go, oh yeah, that's fine, I do the same thing, no big deal. You know, confess it to somebody who's going to say, you know what, let me pray for you, and I, I, and I know God forgives you, and I forgive you, and you're going to get through this thing. Anybody hearing me? You hear what I'm saying? What do we do with our sin? Do we hide it in the dark? No. What do we do? Confess Confess to one another and pray. And it says in God, who is faithful and just, will not only forgive us, but he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But one of his commandments in the Bible, commandment just means not a suggestion, (laughs) not an option. It means something that God is telling you to do. And he says clearly in James, confess your sins. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You know, I, I just, I know so much of us wants to just make people think, oh, I'm better than I am. Or, you know, like if they really knew me, oh, they'd hate me. That is such a lie from the evil one. To be honest with you, I, I actually have more respect for people who are honest about their sins and who do confess their sins because I know I can trust them. Right? Okay, so Jesus says, if you keep my commands, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now this is Jesus talking to you. These things I have spoken to you, these things about keeping God's commands and loving one another, I have spoken these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Can I get any volunteers? Just one. Wow. Is this mic on? (laughs) Who does not want fullness of joy? Who does not want the complete joy that Jesus wants to offer? Who doesn't want that? If you really understand it, and that is what I'm saying about the sacrifice. You know, the Bible talks about the sacrifice of praise. You know, there are times where you don't feel like praising God. You don't feel like reading the word. You don't feel like praying. You don't feel like serving. But it is in losing our lives that we find our lives. Psalm 41, 1. Am I on the right one? Nope. It says, oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. You know, we have an amazing ministry here called Jesus Feeds. And there are some faithful servants that come in here week after week after week and hand out food to the poor. You know, the Bible says that if... if we close our ears to the cry of the poor, we ourselves will cry out and not be heard. And remember when Jesus said, the poor will be with you always. 
Eric used to quote this statistic. I wish I had looked it up. I just thought of it right now. But it was it said that if if every single person who claims the name of Jesus Christ gave 1% of their income, we could solve world hunger. Something about giving to the poor. And I just want to challenge you. I want to stretch you in this. You know, Kevin and Shanna in the Philippines, you know, they go into the slums. The absolute abject poverty. And they are sacrificing and they're laying down their lives. And it is hard for them. For those of you who don't know, that's our church in the Philippines. Um, They have sacrificed and given up everything. But you know what? They would tell you it is worth every sacrifice they have ever offered. It is totally worth the price. Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. 2 Corinthians 8, 2, it says, They being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Philippians 2.17 says, I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Just pouring it out. It says, just like your faithful servant service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share in that joy. You know, last week I said there should be no such term as grumpy Christian. There also should be no such phrase as selfish Christian or self-centered Christian. Mm, You guys are quiet. (laughs) Remember the job of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction, not me. (laughs) I'll I'll be used in that capacity if he asks me to. (laughs) But let me just ask you this, okay? Let's keep it real here. Who are you serving? Yes, we're serving God. That's the correct answer. But let me ask you personally, are you losing your life for anyone else? Are you just so busy trying to meet your own needs? Trying to make sure everything's okay for you? want to ask you that because greater love has no one than this than he laid down his life for his friends and it is through pouring out your life pouring out your life like a liquid offering just letting it just flow offering your faithful service to God because you know what sometimes people aren't going to appreciate it it is between you and the Lord and I'm just going to keep it real here for me I used to struggle so much with serving people if I didn't feel like they appreciated it. And, and in my early marriage, I used to really have a rough time because I... How many of you are justice people? You just There's justice and there should be justice all the time, right? Well, sometimes when it comes to laying down your life, it doesn't seem very just. And, and, I, and I'm just going to say this, for your spouse, just serve them as unto the Lord. Because I used to grumble, I'm like, why do I have to pick up his socks and throw them in a hamper? Like, really? But I did, I struggled so much with that, because like, well, he can do that, he's an adult. But who is acting like the third grader? You know, I mean, I just, I, I used to struggle with that so much, until the Lord just said, who are you serving? And I, and I realized, wow, I'm totally missing out here. So let me just say this. Okay, I'm talking to the wives right now specifically. Just pick his underwear up and put it in the hamper and don't complain. Okay? <laughs> you cannot amen that. <laughs> Conversely, husbands, (laughs) just fill her tank up with gas and don't get so ticked off that you have to go do it. Okay, just serve her as unto the Lord. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Right? 
Can you just serve the Lord? Serve each other as unto the Lord? Can you not be looking for this equity thing and this fair? Well, it's not fair because I cook the meals and the least thing you can do is do the dish. I mean, just don't. Okay? Grow up. Oh, did I just say that out loud? <laughs> I'm off my meds. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm not on meds. It's just the Tourette's. It comes out. <clears throat> Let me read this again. If I rejoice, even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just pour out your life for other people. Just like your faithful servants service is an offering to, to God. And I want all of you to share in that joy, the joy of pouring out your life. You know, I know, I know I'm kind of hammering on you guys a little bit, and I'm sorry for that, but I, I want to just acknowledge there are so many people in the adventure who are such faithful servants. They are doing this. They are pouring out their lives. And even when they go through hardships and trials, those same people, they still, they still praise God, and they still do it with a joyful attitude. And this is one of the ways that we can find joy in our relationship with the Lord, in our salvation, but also in sacrifice and in serving. And again, we talk about the time, sacrificing your time for someone else, your talents. If you have a gift or a skill set, use it to bring glory to God and in your finances, time, talents, treasures. If you're not sacrificing, if it makes sense on paper, then you're just like the pagans. Jesus says, if it makes sense on paper and you're not giving so that it's like, oh, wow, that really hurt. Give till it hurts for real, because you know what? God will always meet you. I promise money back guarantee. Wait, (laughs) I can't make that promise, (laughs) but another path to joy is through singing. Now this is a spiritual principle that is very, uh, I think underemphasized, but the Bible talks about singing. The Bible talks about music. I think it's 879 times. There is a spiritual principle in music and in particularly singing, you know, about probably about a month and a half after Eric passed away, I had a dear friend of mine call and ask how I was doing. And, uh, and he just said to me, he goes, are you singing? I was like, no, I hadn't sung in six weeks. But you know, when I opened my mouth and began to sing, I sensed the comfort of the Lord. I sensed his presence. It says in Psalm 126, we were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Psalm 511, it says, let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them. That all who love you, I can't see through my tears. All who love your name may be filled with joy. Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. And I burst out with songs of thanksgiving. Psalm 33, 3 says, Am I sinking here? Yeah, okay. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. Psalm 92, 4 says, You thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. You guys getting the hint here? There is a spiritual principle. Even if you think, oh, I don't want to sing. I don't have a good voice. I'm going to offend God. (laughs) You know, sing anyway. Sing in your shower. Sing in your car. Just sing. There is a dynamic in this. Why do you think the Bible talks about music so often? many times because there's a spiritual dynamic and here's just a little aside and you know I'm not a legalist but I I do know that music can have a really profound impact and if you're listening to music that is diminishing 
your joy and diminishing your, your intimacy with Jesus, just make the sacrifice and turn that station. I'm not saying this to be legalistic. I'm saying this because there's certain music that I cannot listen to because I just know it takes me to a place that I don't need to go spiritually. And if you're, if you're listening to music that you know Jesus wouldn't listen to, just maybe don't. It's just a thought. You know, there was one time when Eric heard a teaching on singing and the spiritual implications of singing. And so he decided that he was going to go up. He went up into the mountains. He was at a, a men's retreat. And he went up into the mountains and all of a sudden, I mean, he had only been a believer for probably like eight or nine months at the time. And, and so he uh, stood up on this rock and he started to sing and he was like, God, I know I am a prideful man. And he like got blasted and fell over. <laughs> oh, so funny. I mean, he was so pure in heart at the time. He just like, he believed everything that, that the Bible said. And so he just did it. And God just met him there. (laughs) And he was always singing. It used to be so funny because even like, even if he was in a terrible mood, remember this, Caleb, he'd be walking around the house. He'd still be humming. He was always humming. He was always singing. And I just think that was something that just kept him connected. So even if you don't think you have a beautiful voice, it doesn't matter. God has, has filters on his ears. And when you sing, <laughs> those holy filters, hallelujah. But when you sing, it's beautiful to him. I mean, when Angela sings, that's when all the angels join in with her. <laughs> and actually, Laura's going to come and, and uh, minister to us in a little bit. I'm almost there, girl. But... Um, You know, you look at them and you're like, I can't sing like Angela. I can't sing like Laura. It doesn't matter. You you know, you sound like Angela when you sing to Jesus. (laughs) Not really. Angela sounds like Angela. But your voice, it it says in Song of Songs, it says that your voice is sweet. That when you sing to him, your voice is sweet. It doesn't matter if you don't think other, if you're never going to, release an, you know, an LP or EP or whatever it's called these days. It doesn't matter. Sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. There is a dynamic that only through coming out from your soul, because out of that overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. But even deeper, when you sing his praises, If you don't believe me, look it up. You will not believe how many references there are to singing. And this morning, I I asked Laura, you can get started coming up here. I asked Laura if she would, well, actually, Angela asked Laura if she would sing this song. And we had an amazing conversation the other day. And she was kind of telling me this whole story about how this song kind of transpires into um, the message that I gave today. And so she is going to bless us. And um, aren't you thankful that people who are so gifted will sacrifice? That, that the worship teams, not only do they rehearse on Thursday nights, they get here sometimes at 7 in the morning to rehearse, to lead you into God's presence, to bless you guys. You know, the adventure teams that get here early and make the coffee and pass out the bulletins and greet you and do all these things, that's a sacrifice. But there's something so beautiful about that. But people that have a gift and they offer it to God, that's so beautiful. So this morning, Laura is going to sing this song called Light of the World. Actually, I'm going to read this scripture to you first. Romans 15, 13, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit.
I want to just pray this over you. Could you stand? I want to bless you. Remember again, the path to joy. It's promised to us. It's a guarantee when we put our hope in him. We put our trust in him. And when we lay down our lives for our friends. And when we sing unto him. That's how we find joy. That's how we can experience true joy. That joy that's attached to the grace of God. Amen? Just hold your hands out like this. It's a symbol that you want to receive. Remember, from the rewarder, the one who wants to reward you for diligently seeking. Lord, oh God, we we worship your name, Lord. We thank you and we praise you, Lord. And we ask, God, we want to diligently seek you. Father, we want to find our joy in you and you alone, Lord. We don't want to find our joy in anything external. Only in you, Jesus. Lord, and and we pray that you would help each one of us to grow, Lord. Each one of us would sacrifice a little more. A little more of our time, God. More of our talents to be used for your glory, God. And more of our treasure to see your kingdom expanded. Stretch us, Lord, and meet us there because you are a God of faithfulness. And Lord, I just pray for that spiritual dynamic of singing. I pray that as each one of us lifts up our voices to you, God, you would meet us. And now I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Because you trust in him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Can we applaud the Lord? Can we lift up his name? We bless you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, may you find joy in this upcoming week. May you just invite God into your pres- into into your situation, invite his presence, invite his joy. And next week can you invite a friend to come to church as we talk about the pronouncement of joy. People are open. Invite people to church during Christmas. Okay? Love you guys.